0: Hello Sens fans, you're listening to the Locked On Senators podcast from the heart of enemy territory in downtown Toronto. I'm Ross Levitan, joined today by Chris Parliament to break down the latest Sens roster moves and discuss how Ottawa held the McDavid and Drysaddle duo to one lonely point in its 5-2 victory. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is December 5th, and someone from the Senators' organization must have listened to yesterday's episode.
1: My money on the listener from the organization is a fellow by the name of Pierre from Orleans. I think he was listening to us because there were some moves being made, and we called it yesterday. We think it's the right thing. Let's just go over it again. Marcus Hogberg and Eric Brandstrom back down to Belleville, Back down to Bell Vegas. That team is a certified wagon in the NH- yeah. AHL right now.
0: Yeah, if you are in or around the Belleville area, the Bay of Quinty, go and watch the Harlem, I mean the Belleville Senators. These guys are an offensive juggernaut. We've mentioned the past couple shows as the the B-Sense haven't played since last weekend. They've got a pair of home games coming up and some roster reinforcements. Already eight wins in the past ten games. Um, but yeah, they just got even stronger and let's let's Hogberg was an injury call up but Brandstrom started the year in Ottawa, just the two assists in 23 games. He was a healthy scratch last night in Edmonton. We're going to get into that game in a little while, but to focus on
1: Brandstrom, what does he need to work on the most here as he goes down to Belleville? I think it's just decision-making with the puck. I think he's just got to go back to keeping it simple because once you get simple plays, you start to get a little more confidence going, and he's going to have a little more time and space in the AHL. That's no questions asked. He's going to. But once you get back to the simple plays, you start to build some confidence. You get playing a system, and it starts to work out for you. And then once you make those simple plays, you start to realize, hey, this is where I can jump in. This is where the game will allow me to use my offensive talents a little bit. But I think the biggest thing for him once he goes down there, he's going to learn how to play that up pace game because he's not going to be on his heels. He's going to be looking to jump into the play like we know he can, like he has in the AHL in the past.
0: Yeah, definitely. And to get into, he played 50 games in the American League last year. He had 28 points before being traded over to the Senators organization. And his time in Belleville last year, he was still getting accustomed. I and mean, he was kind of up and down. Ottawa brought him up for a game twice, played two NHL games. But... When he went over to Belleville, he played nine games, had four points, but he only had points in two out of those nine games. He had the one uh, three assist game, which was quite impressive. I was doing camera for that one, but I, I think it was more just him being accustomed to new surroundings. This is this was a nineteen year old. He's only twenty right now. I think people forget that he was eligible. I did he play in the World Juniors last year? Was he? He was the captain of uh, of Sweden. So this is a young player and. Uh, and he's just going to get better and better. Even the games where he wasn't putting up points necessarily with Belleville, he was still controlling the pace of the game. And if he can become a defenseman that can play in your top four, control pace, he doesn't have to be as flashy as I think people want him to be. The Carlson comparisons kind of show that. But if he can just have maybe work on on getting a little bit uh, harder of a shot, too, because he's good at putting it in a position where you're, you're good for tips, maybe like two, three inches off the ice, and he can get it on net. Maybe just work on maybe like growing strength as any young kid uh, really needs to do. So if he can go down, work on that, the points will come. But this is an exciting time for Belleville. As we mentioned yesterday, I hate to keep going back, but it was funny that this happened literally the next day, is that the, the Belleville Senators have the expectations to win. And having Brandstrom there is best for not only them but the camaraderie going forward of all this—this Batherson, Norris, and Abramov and Branstrom. We're going to see what Lajoie can do in place of Branstrom now at the NHL level. But those guys all growing together is going to be something special, I think. Here coming up,
1: and when you're going to see them all on the ice together is on the power play. And yeah, let's go back again to yesterday's show where we mentioned that that power play is already running at around 20%, uh, roughly 21% if you want to round up, which we'll do because it's more than double the Ottawa power play. (laughs) Exactly. But that's somewhere where you can use that shot if you get a little bit stronger. And I wanted to go back to what you said there, because I like what you said, getting a little bit stronger, because that's something that a lot of people don't realize is the pace of play moves up when you go to the NHL level, but so does everything else. So I really liked at the start of the year when it was right around draft time, and I remember that Jack Hughes went to the draft lottery show on Sportsnet, and it was it was a little bit cringing because I was like, well, what if he doesn't go number one, and he was the only one there. But he did mention that was the one thing that he thought he needed to bring to the game the most was the ability to score from anywhere on the ice. And he brought up a guy like Austin Matthews, which I hate doing on a Senator show, but he's a guy that can shoot from anywhere in the blue within the blue line and score. You're not going to see that from young kids right away, and it's going to take some time. I think Eric Branstrom, that's a good point. He needs to work on that just to force the issue a little bit more, make playing against him that much harder, and forcing goaltenders to make saves. Hopefully that's something he can work on with Troy Mann. Because he is an aggressive defense. I think people forget that because he's
0: he's slight in size at just 5'10", 180 pounds. But he's not not afraid to go in the corners and mix it up. And He's got a little bit of a mean streak to him as well. Like You see him a little you know, get fired up. So I love that. And you look at his NHL numbers, he's only had the 12 PIMS in 23 games. I know that's not everything, but a lot of them are like, I think he's got a couple delaying games, a couple sticking stick infractions where he's really just chasing the play. Whereas if you look at his numbers in the American league last year, like not only did he have 32 points, he had 48 PIMS, like he's mixing it up. He's getting involved. So I think that that being able to, to assert himself physically against pros is just going to benefit him going forward. I don't think that this is going to be for the whole year. What do you think? You think he's going to be back up? And if so, how long, how many games think he'll spend down in Belleville?
1: I just want to backtrack before I answer the question. It's a lot easier to get into games more and get into those interactions on the ice when you're playing more minutes. If you're sheltered to about 12 minutes, you're not having those interactions with guys and it's not unfolding as the game goes on. So I think that's something we'll see again when he goes back to Belleville, a little bit more aggressiveness. I agree with you. He's not going to be down there for the whole year, which again, completely depends on when Christian Walainen comes back because when he comes back into the lineup, that adds another NHL-caliber defenseman, I think it's pretty safe to say, when he comes back into the lineup. So that's just going to add even more into the mix. A guy like Cody Golubev, who knows what's going on with him right now. Um, Seeing a guy like Max Lajoie, again, still at the NHL level. So who knows what that Belleville blue line will look like because it's hard to say what that Ottawa blue line will look like. And again, once you get into... Trade deadline time when the Ottawa Senators are obviously going to be sellers, it looks like. Uh, Who knows what's going to happen with the blue line because it's guys like that teams would be interested in that have the long-term deals in Ottawa. So, again, it's going to be tough, but uh, yeah, I wouldn't suspect that this is a full-year thing. But who knows if Belleville gets going and, like you said, the expectation is to win, this could be an all-year thing and he could be leading that blue line into a postseason run. Well, and the
0: expectation is that all the guys on two-way contracts, and I wonder about Colin White because he wasn't last year signed back, but I think all the other two-way guys, you look at Lajoie, I'm, I'm having trouble off the top of my head, guys, that are down there right now. I think Nick Paul would require waivers. I don't think he would be back. Um, but you know they'd load up once the NHL season ends, go back down like Will Anin did last year um, too. So there's lots to get into on the front of, The fact that maybe trade deadline is what the Sens are focused on and and showcasing the guys who are on their roster will give stick taps as well to Marcus Hogberg, who looked good in his two periods of play against Vancouver. He's also back down, now focusing on the big boys, the Ottawa Senators. And those depth guys were on fire yesterday. Tyler
1: Ennis in front of friends and family in Edmonton, his hometown. Two goals. What can you say about his play? He goes to the net, and it's because he's such a small stature guy, you don't expect him to, but he's got that fleet of foot where he's going to beat the bigger defenseman to the net, so he gets that first-off opportunity, and yeah, he's he's a player that's impressed me this year because of his ability with limited time and limited space. He's so shifty and agile with the puck that he gets himself into good scoring chances, and I love a good skate-to-stick play. If you can be coming in with speed, riding your outside edges while leaning towards the net, and get that pass, a rolling puck off the stick, and then bury it off the skates, pretty nice little play from Ennis there. And again, in front of f- friends and family, pretty impressive stuff. But a guy I'm even more impressed with in last night's game is Connor Brown. And he came down, and it might not have been the prettiest goal costing, and I don't know what was going on with him last night. That Jenny cost small. him the
0: rest of the game.
1: Yeah, and I mean... Connor Brown, that goal, and you hear Ray Ferraro when he says it. Just shoot it, boy. Because he finally just put a puck on net. I think he was a little bit referring to the play where Colin White held on to it a little bit too long and didn't get a shot on net. But Connor Brown, finally off the schneid, and then, again, got the assist on the Tyler Ennis goal. I was impressed with his game last night. Uh, how about you? I think Connor Brown is such a good hockey player. I, I think he's got
0: the speed. He's got the tenacity. He's got some some underrated size. I think This is a guy who I think plays... Plays big. Um, I'm trying to find out how, if he's six, six, only six feet, but he plays bigger than that. Um, 17 points in 23 games. This is a guy who was completely snake bit. He had no goals in 13 games. And how's that to get off the schneid? Just like throw it on net. Good things happen. And that's the kind of thing that will build confidence going forward. I've loved his spot. Uh, Whatever line he's on seems to, seems to be the one that's pushing the pace offensively. And, Don't you think the Leafs could use a guy like that right now? It's kind of funny. I saw a tweet. Uh, I'd love to give the guy credit. I want to say it's Steve on Sens. Yeah, it definitely was. He goes, Toronto Maple Leafs goals tonight, one. Tyler Ennis and Connor Brown goals tonight, three. Yeah, you do the math on that one.
1: (laughs) I love it. I like the shout out too because that's hilarious. And yeah, the Leafs are struggling right now. And that makes a good win for the Sens even better. If the Sens can win and the Leafs can lose, I'm a happy guy. But you mentioned Connor Brown playing big. I think it's because of the pace of play he plays with. He's always the guy going faster, so he's the one causing the contact. And you mentioned he's got offensive talent. Let's not forget his last year with the Erie Otters. You can pump the brakes as much as you want. He was playing with Connor McDavid. He had 128 points in 68 games at the OHL level. Obviously, this guy knows how to play with the puck. I mean, you can say, again, playing with Connor McDavid, but still, this guy put up points. He understands the game. And I like his ability through the neutral zone. It always seems like the puck's going forward. He's not a guy trying to make six moves in the neutral zone. It's one move, then beat him with speed. I like his A to B style of play, and I think it works out for him in the long. a lot of plays. And talking about other depth guys who could be on
0: the trade block, Chris Tierney with two assists. He still hasn't scored in seemingly forever. I want to say it's like 19 games now, but two assists for him. Tyler Ennis. Um, I mentioned two goals he actually had two assists it was a goal and two assists for a three-point night Artem Anisimov another guy but good luck moving that contract still at 4.5 for next season not only this one but he got on the score sheet so those are the depth guys but then just looking at the box score Brady Kachuk,
1: even when he's held off the score sheet two shots five hits didn't stop him from celebrating either that was a Pretty unbelievable save holding on to the post with your blocker hand. I don't know if I've ever seen that. Well, Brady Kachuk's jamming away over there. Still celebrated. That that was in, by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's tough to say because it's under, like, it's tough to overturn.
0: Yeah. Let's get into that. Like, sure, you can't see the puck, but when his entire blocker is behind the goal line and you know it's in his blocker, I mean, it's nice. I'm not a science guy, but
1: bill nye will have him on the show next yeah we
0: should coming up next
1: but it's nice on nights where it's a five two win it's not a game-changing play that's but... a
0: two loss
1: yeah exactly it's it's all relevant once you look at the box score but brady that's another great play you mentioned he held off the score sheet but he's in every single game and that's what's so important for a guy like him the five hits he's got those plays where he's going to be the Johnny on the spot out front. You know what you're going to get out of him every time he laces him up. I've never seen a down game from Brady. Obviously, he's not going to put up points every single night. But last night could have been one of those nights, again, if the call went the other way, which obviously we believe it should have. He was on the score sheet, and that's just another game where he's rolling. So it, he just brings so much to the game, and I love that he just continues to go to the front of the net. doesn't matter. He celebrates even when he doesn't score. He's so much fun to watch.
0: Definitely. Those five hits brought him to 106 on the season. Good for fifth in the National Hockey League behind only Ryan Reeves, Mark Borowiecki, Brandon Tanev, and Tom Wilson. Some tough customers up there. And Brady, by far the youngest of those men. Uh, I want to talk about Anthony Duclair, too, because he's a ton of fun to
1: watch. Electric hands, and he was opportunistic on his goal. Absolutely, and you fan on a shot like that, you're kind of thinking, oh no, but he's a pro and he keeps his feet moving, so he plays a lot of where he's kind of going behind the net, he goes with so much speed to the net that he's going to create more and stay in the cycle game coming out on the other side of the net, and last night, I mean, I don't know, you fan on a shot, I guess good things happen, you work for your own breaks, He busts into the zone and absolutely fans on a shot, it somehow ends up on his stick, but good wherewithal to not pull that behind him, He realized that he had the goaltender on the far post and just threw it on net, uh, good things happen obviously Ross before we go any further though big time news and big time stick taps that's game number 100 for Brady Kachuk last night at the NHL level 100
0: games man doesn't time fly and there was a great graphic on the Sportsnet broadcast last night through these 100 games Brady Kachuk 31 goals 60 points minus 14 you compare that to his dad Keith Kachuk 31 goals 59 points minus 13 so so cool to see how he's following in his dad's footsteps and if he can
1: continue that trajectory that is going to be a hall of fame level career absolutely and let's not forget 96 penalty minutes and 100 games played which is right it up looked there like with...
0: he was trying to get to 100 last night the way he <laughs> was buzzing around the ice
1: and hey let's talk about that for a second because yesterday on the show i put a warning out so if pierre was listening Yesterday's show he didn't tell the boys stay out of the box. The yeah. Sens took seven penalties last night and again held that unbelievable power play unit to just one goal. So yeah pretty impressive that the penalty. Ball. Yeah. So uh and lots of traffic out front there too. Uh, Boro was kinda of like, Hey man, I can't clear all of this out front afterwards. But uh he's done enough in his stay out west. Well, Artem Anisimov got the Sens power play goal. So when you at least tie the
0: special teams battle against that potent of a power play, definitely top five in the league, Sens by far 31st. That's a win in itself. So I I think that that's huge. And then holding Drysidle to only one point, McDavid completely off the score sheet. Like McDavid was a dash two. He had his three shots, but McDavid dash two, Drysidle dash two. That's how you win hockey games. And you look at their time on ice. McDavid played over 24 minutes. Like they are just riding their horses. And when you have that offensive talent at the top of your lineup, you have to. McDavid,
1: or Dry Saddle, rather, just a hair under 24 minutes as well. Well, 14 minutes on the power play, it's pretty easy to stand in the one spot out there and just kind of play bumper and dish the puck around. But yeah, I agree. David. McDavid played eight and a half minutes on the power play and dry saddle 650 on the power play. Yeah, so that's where your numbers get to skyrocket a little bit. But I mean, Connor McDavid stayed off the score sheet, but doesn't stay out of the highlight reels, took on all five guys and gets a <laughs> shot on that. He's so good. You see, after the play, like Thomas Shabbat can skate with the best of them, and even he was kind of like, what just hit us? Like, holy, just flying through the zone inside-outsides Thomas Shabbat and gets a puck on net. Pretty unbelievable. I mean, we talked about it yesterday. It's must-watch TV whenever 97's on the ice. And even if he's not, like, even if he's held off the score sheet, it's still so impressive.
0: Yeah, so we're talking about big minutes there by the Oilers players. A couple Senators didn't get... Any minutes. And uh, some of that was because Nick Paul was injured. We don't know the extent of that. We'll get an update at some point today. I'm sure DJ Smith will talk. It could actually be an off day as they're traveling from um, from Edmonton to Philadelphia. So well, I'm sure we'll find out here sooner than later what the status of Nick Paul is. Logan Brown. Even with Nick Paul only playing a minute and three seconds, Logan Brown played five minutes and 28 seconds. You mentioned power play time. A minute and 21 of that was on the power play. That leaves... Four minutes of even strength time. Are we going to have to talk about how Logan Brown needs to go back down or does he just need an opportunity here to really get his feet back under him after missing some time uh, versus a healthy scratch and earlier on with
1: an injury? I don't know if it's DJ trying to shelter him on the road but when you're up three goals in the third period you'd think you'd let the kids run a little bit and they're I mean Edmonton can score in bunches and they can come at you quickly but you gotta try if you're gonna suit a guy up you gotta be able to trust him to play garbage time minutes and obviously right now he didn't give him that opportunity so maybe if that trend continues when the Sens get back home I can see him getting a little more minutes maybe on home ice, getting back into a little bit more of a routine. But, yeah, right now that conversation's right around the corner if Logan Brown is uh, maybe going back down to Belleville as well, which, oh, man. Could he's another—he's the other name that I was thinking of, where at the end of the season,
0: if he spends it all in Ottawa, he could go down and help bolster that team uh, coming up because, I mean, why not? Um, yeah, Logan Brown played uh, one shift in uh, from when the Sens made it to 4-2. He, put, he had the next shift after that goal and then did not play again in the final 10 minutes. So that's, that's quite uh, the indication of what DJ Smith is, uh, is thinking about his big centerman right there. And you look at JC Bodin, same situation. He played 557 with no power play, no shorthanded time either. So all the other sense forward had to pick it up. Like everyone else is up over over 14 minutes. And Isimov and Ennis, the next fewest minutes at 13.42 and 14.03. Not to bog this down with all the numbers, but they they relied on a, a three-line game yesterday, it seems.
1: And you know what? It was a bit of a head-scratcher how Artem and Isimov was going to come back into the lineup and how that was going to affect things. But the way that Duclair and Kachuk and Brown were rolling, it kind of seemed like that top six was set in stone. And... It certainly seems like that's not the case because, as you mentioned, Logan Brown not getting regular minutes anymore, and it it's a little bit confusing to see. Um, it'll be interesting how it goes forward. Again, I mentioned going back home. This road trip kind of showed us a couple different things. He was healthy scratched in one game. It's going to be a little bit different to see uh, what happens moving forward. Um, I didn't expect this, though.
0: And especially on the back end, now that we scroll down and see that, like Max Lajoie got in the lineup. He was a plus one, sure, played seven minutes. No special teams time. So you're really, really relying on these other defensemen. And maybe it's the, the third game here at West. I'm not sure what DJ uh, Smith's talking, but it's definitely something to keep an eye on going forward because especially on the back end, you need to be able to rely on all six guys or seven if you're going to 11 and seven like Guy Boucher. Sorry if that's... Uh, we might have to make this an explicit podcast now uh, when Sens fans <laughs> hear the old eleven seven, Yeah, it certainly isn't a fan favorite, is it? No, not at all. But Guy Boucher, actually, if you if you, uh, you want to hear his his takes, like there's, uh, I, I should be able to shout it out. But anyways, if you type in Guy Boucher's name on Twitter, you'll be able to find it. But uh, he's doing some French broadcasting. and I actually have really enjoyed listening to uh, Tim. He's always been a good interview, right? But... Uh, Just kind
1: of, I guess, lost the room there in Ottawa. Certainly wasn't a guy that was shying away from the microphone. And back when we were at school and we had all the available technology, he filled up quite a bit of our shows off the top back when it was just Send Central. And uh, yeah, he was always a fun guy to listen to. I'm not surprised that he's getting into the broadcasting side of things, but I also wouldn't be surprised if we saw him on another bench. Maybe not in a head coaching role, but in an assist role. Well, hey, if the Montreal Canadiens continue their little trajectory
0: downward, maybe he'll be behind their bench. Working alongside or instead of Claude Julien? I don't know. Time will tell. They actually battled for one of the best hockey series of all time in 2011, the uh, the Tampa Bay-Boston one. But this is when you know things are getting completely off the rails, talking about the 2011 playoffs. <laughs> uh, so I think that's enough. As the Ottawa Senators ended their five-game losing streak, the Belleville Senators are on a five-game Winning streak. By the time we talk on Saturday, the Belleville Senators will have played their first of two weekend games hosting the Cleveland Monsters. We're going to try to make them the, s- the least scary monsters possible with the amount of firepower the Belleville Sens will have in their lineup with Philip Schlappek, Eric Brancham, and Marcus Hogberg returning to an already stacked roster. The Ottawa Senators will play Saturday afternoon. So we're going to try to get you an episode bright and early Saturday. You can listen to it while you have a lunch here waiting for Drop. For Chris Parliament, I'm Ross Levitan. This is the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day.